0: Hey there, what's up everyone? This is Jeff Anderson from Modern Combat and Survival. Welcome to podcast episode number 198. Now, if you've ever been excited about finally getting some spare time to go hit the local gun range, but you ended up scratching your head thinking, what should I practice today? Well, then you're going to love this week's interview because you're about to discover a simple framework to custom design the perfect gun training program that fits your personal self-protection needs. And as usual, don't worry about taking notes because... We've done all the heavy lifting for you with this week's free show notes, including a handy-dandy one-page cheat sheet covering all the main points for you to follow and refer back to. All you need to do is go to www.mcsmagazine.com slash 198 and download all of this week's resources absolutely free. And now, let's talk tactics.
1: firearms training, urban survival, close quarters combat. This this is another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is modern combat and survival.
0: Every firearms instructor you've ever trained with will tell you that shooting skills are perishable. That means if you don't use them, you will lose them. And to back it up, there are any number of tactical slogans associated with gun training, such as the more you sweat in training, the less you'll bleed in combat. And as you fight, so shall you train. Now I could go on and on, but what it comes down to is this. An actual life or death gunfight is a stressful, traumatic event that will mess with your mind and play hell with your body's physical capabilities. Now to survive it and to defeat your attacker, you obviously have to have these skills, but not just any skills. You have to have the right skills. If you don't have them, you'll likely die. To get them, you've got to train. Now that's not such a shocking revelation to anyone, but the hard truth is that most gun owners aren't training enough and those who do are doing little more than just heading off to the local gun range for what amounts to marksmanship training versus paper targets rather than real gunfight training. So what sort of training should you be doing to prepare for a real attack? And how do you do it without it taking over your life and costing you a buttload of money at the same time? Well, that's what we're here to find out. Hello, everyone. This is Jeff Anderson, editor for Modern Combat and Trial Magazine and executive director of the New World Patriot Alliance with another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. And with us once again today to talk about how to create the ultimate firearms training agenda is my good friend and my go-to firearms training mad scientist, one word, ox ox welcome back to the program man hey you're getting to be a regular so i think i'm just gonna we just need to have like offices right next to each other i think but but it's always good to have you on here and this is a topic that you have to be a part of because you are my go-to mad scientist out there so so listen everyone if you if you haven't heard any the other interviews that we've done with ox before there's actually a lot of them but if you haven't know that he is serious about effective gun training and showing others how to prepare for a violent attack. Very tied into the alphabet agency crowd on the intel side, he's worked with several representatives on joint tactical programs such as the best-selling book, Tactical Firearms Training Secrets, his must-have dry fire training cards and dry fire fit cards, the Force Recon 3010 pistol course, the Alpha Shooter program, the Navy SEAL concealed carry masters course. I mean, the list goes on and on. He is also a competitive pistol shooter and avid hunter and an outdoorsman, and he's continuously sought out for advice and consulting by strategic planners at the Pentagon, as well as special operations personnel from the U.S. and allied countries and the U.S. tactical law enforcement personnel. Now for more information about Ox and his unique firearms training approach, make sure that you visit him online at www.dryfiredrills.com. All right, Ox, so we're t- we've been, the reason I reached out to you is because you had this really great article that I read and it was it was this blurb on your site that was very it was very short and simple but to me it was very impactful and it was that it was about how people really need to have a plan for their firearms training to make sure they're not just going off to the range just to start throwing rounds down range and everything but you're very specific about your experience with how to set up kind of a comprehensive training program and I think what we just start start off with is kind of a skeleton approach for this kind of like the the bottom line foundational framework, if somebody were to sit down and begin to plan out, how do I get better with my gun? How do I become a better protector with my firearm for a real gunfight? Let's talk about that, that basic foundational structure first. You had even like percentages and stuff like how to mix things together. So what types of training should our listeners be considering for their firearms training? And then what's the best way to fit it all together?
2: That's a great question. And most people, when they think about firearms training, they think about plinking. They think about sending rounds down range, either shooting paper or shooting reactive targets, doing something where there's a bang every time they press the trigger. But if we step back and take a look at how the brain learns most efficiently, that's not how you want to do it. It may be the most fun, but it's not going to get you the best results. If we take a look at uh, the Navy SEAL uh, firearms training program from from buds on up. um, What they do is for the first two, three weeks, sometimes more, they get sent home with an empty pistol to dry fire every night and they don't get their first live round until they've done thousands of rounds, thousands of reps of dry fire. And that model is fairly consistent across the board in the special operations community, as well as in a lot of tactical law enforcement training programs, um, especially at the FLETSI's. And so if we take a look at what's going to give you the best results, uh, there's different stages. The first stage, what you're trying to do is become comfortable manipulating the firearm safely, And correctly. And when you're in that stage, really, you want to do 100 percent of your training with dry fire. You don't need to do any live fire whatsoever at first. You want to learn how to manipulate the gun. You want to learn how to do it safely and you want to learn how to do it correctly. Once you get the fundamentals figured out and you can safely and correctly handle the firearm, then we're looking at how do you build performance that will hold up under high stress? And fortunately, we've got some really good numbers that we can look at on how to do this. Uh, some friends of mine, uh, uh, Dusty Solomon and Larry Yatch and Bo ran a stress shooting lab, for lack of a better term, up in Minneapolis. So they ran 140 classes a month for three and a half years. So they had a, a very large data set of uh what works and what doesn't. And the ideal ratio that they found was 80% dry fire, 10% live fire and 10% force on force. And so that ratio is very, very different than what most people do. Most people, when they think about firearm strain, they're spending a hundred percent of their time with live fire. But the fact is, if you do that, it's going to take you more time and more money to us to achieve the same level of skill.
0: Yeah, that's really, um, That's, you know, I just recently kind of came across the thing too, because you started off with saying that like somebody that's just brand new to to firearms or, or isn't really all that skilled, like 100% should be in dry fire just to be able to just under, just become familiar with your weapon. And it's funny because I was just at the range, uh, last weekend and I brought a new, I have a new carbine uh, conversion kit for my Glock and I was showing it off to the, uh, to the range master there. And I looked like a complete idiot. It was the first time that I stuck the weapon inside of the carbine conversion kit and I was showing him all the, the fancy stuff and I couldn't figure out how to get the gun out of the conversion kit. Like there were, there were so many little latches and stuff and I, I looked like a complete idiot trying to show him how cool this thing was when obviously I wasn't familiar. Now, fortunately that was on, on the range. It wasn't like during a home invasion. It was like, Oh shit, I got to get this thing. How do I get this? Where do I? Undo the you know, and it, it really does require just, it becomes, has to become an extension of your body for you to build upon that and really start working on skills. And so many people just don't pay attention to that. So I'm really glad that you brought that up. I mean, I know how much, um, dry fire training is a part of your life. It's, it's something that we always talk about as well. Um, you know, let, let's go ahead and, uh, look at one other aspect of this though, because there's, there's something that I saw you, um, I read your I love reading your stuff. And one thing that you wrote about recently was that um cops and even cops and soldiers are still working out the king yeah. in their firearms training, you know, into their like third successful justified lethal force encounter. And these are people that train all the time. But it is different than just being down at the range. Because, look, when, even when I was in the military, yes, we would go to the range and it was very similar to what average gun owners do here. There's the target. It might be a pop-up target or something like that, but it's still not really a stressful environment. Then we have more stressful um, environments, but, again, it's hard to really simulate that. And you also wrote that um, any time that you can add stress to your training, it helps to inoculate you so that it's not something new and it doesn't freeze you up in an actual gunfight. So I'm assuming, and I, and I know this just from talking with you, that adding stress, to even to your dry fire training and things like that is very beneficial for preparing for a real gunfight. So, what are some ways that people can can do that safely, add more stress, make it fun even, but even but but add it more, make it more effective for their firearms training? Tip. Absolutely,
2: yeah. It so stress is a relative term, and what you're really looking at is total cognitive load or. How taxed is your brain at that moment? Is your brain completely overwhelmed or is it just slightly stressed? And for a lot of people, standing on one leg is stress. Uh, and the way that you can see this play out is have them do five or 10 draw strokes where they're standing flat footed on both feet and then have them try and balance and do that exact same draw stroke that they say and and can do on two feet, and for a lot of people, that's enough stress to make their technique break down. Uh, you can do squats while you're doing draw stroke and basic fundamentals of marksmanship. You can walk while you're shooting. You can do um, lunges. There's all sorts of little things that you can do to add stress. And then once you get to where your technique is fairly resilient with with movement, then you can do things like breathe. Out, empty your lungs completely, and hold your breath until your diaphragm starts to spasm, and then practice the fundamentals. Mm. Um, you can have somebody squeeze pressure points and until you get a, a panic response, and then execute your the fundamentals of marksmanship. But basically, the the options are are limitless. One that I have people do a lot of times, and and again, this sounds funny until you actually do it. And once you start doing it, it actually causes stress. But you have somebody start counting backwards from 100 by 7 and then do their draw stroke. And, and so have them start out loud saying 100, 93. 86, and I've got to think about it because I don't know them offhand, uh, 79, 72, and then hit the beeper and have them try and make a precision shot or just execute any fundamental. And for a lot of people, that will be enough stress to make their technique break down. And so you just keep adding these little stresses onto each other and finding ones that cause your technique to break down and practice them until your technique doesn't break down anymore. And then pretty soon you get to the point where you can start doing force on force and moving at a higher rate of speed doing more dynamic movement combined with the fundamentals and the technique doesn't break down
0: these are just such simple things that you know you um that you're bringing up also it's it's very simple things and that's what i'm really trying to get people to understand is that too often they encapsulate firearms training with the live fire range which which requires a lot of effort and work like yeah you got a go down there. You got to get in the car. You got to go down there. You got to buy ammo. You've got to wait in line. You got to like. It, 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 be, it can become a real hassle. And so these are very effective ways, but they're very simple ways that, that people can do. And, and we have a lot more of those mm-hmm. coming up. So I appreciate that's kind of a long laundry list that he just gave of some really cool things people can do to add more stress. Uh, listen, everybody, we've been talking with Ox from dryfiredrills.com about how to create the ultimate firearms training plan and we do have a lot more coming up, including some dry fire training drills that you can use right away to become a better shooter and a better protector, how to tap into the power of force-on-force firearms training without having to join the SEAL Team 6, and how to plan out your next trip to the live fire range so you don't end up like the rest of the misguided gun owners down there who are wasting time and money without any real life-saving skill development. All that and more coming up next, but first, check out this special message.
1: What if everything you knew about how to stop a violent attacker with your gun was wrong? Discover the advanced tactics you must know now to protect yourself and those you love with a firearm. Check out our free book, Stopping Power Secrets. Inside, you'll find such no-hold-barred shockers as 1. The three most common myths and misinformation shoveled out by movies and gun range know-it-alls that could get you killed in a real-life gunfight. 2. The cold, hard truth about your personal weapon's ability to be a one-shot man-stopper. 3. What coroners know about selecting the right ammo for your firearm that you don't. 4. And the simple training trick used by Abrams tank crews and commercial airline pilots that will prepare you for a real attack even better than your best day at the range don't place your family's safety in the hands of hollywood fairy tales and hearsay claim your free copy of stopping power secrets now now at www.stoppingpowersecrets.com and now back to the show
0: Okay. We're back with Ox of dryfiredrills.com talking about how you can create your own ultimate firearms training program for self-protection. Now we have some real do this now info coming up for you right now. So let's go ahead and jump back in. So Ox, you're a huge fan. I mean, obviously you're a huge fan. You have dry fire training cards. You incorporate dry fire training into all the firearms training, the tactical stuff that you do as well. So and you know that I'm a, I'm a huge fan of dry fire drills as well. Now we have people out there that have probably never done any dry fire training. Um, we have, and we should probably just in a smidgen, just kind of explain what it is, maybe. Um, but then there are other people out there that maybe do some dry fire training, but or just think it's really like so basic, it's just a matter of just pulling a trigger, and there's not much to it. So what I like to do is, um, you have your dry fire uh, fit cards, you have your dry fire training cards. And what I like about the cards, and I'm going to do a, I'm going to do a shameless plug for you right now, because I've bought other dry fire, I think there's only one other dry fire training card that I know of, and I got those, they were so complicated that, and it used different, it used jargon that I didn't understand. It was like really for like high level competition shooters, and I didn't really, and it was really meant for live fire um, training, and it, and it really was way too complicated. Your cards are so simple, and they're so fun, and you, you've got so many unique little um, kind of quick, simple, fast, easy uh, types of drills people can do. I thought it would be great if you could just give a couple of them for our listeners, where just give us a couple dry fire, especially since this is 80% of what it should be for people's training programs. Give us a couple of simple, fast, fun uh, dry fire drills that people can do right now that are a good example of the cards. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so here's what I'm gonna do. Gonna. And just know that our listeners can't see the single thing that you're doing on the video, but. Put
2: (laughs) dry fire cord in. So chambers plugged, visual indicator, visual indicator, uh, no live rounds, no magazine. And so one of the drills that is real effective is um, called twist and shoot. And what you do is you start sitting down and draw and see how far to the side you can twist and shoot. And so go back to holster, draw. How can you shoot to the right? How can you shoot to the left? Because a lot of people are used to, A traditional live fire range where your options for shooting are a very narrow lane right in front of you. And real life just isn't like that. How do you shoot? If there's a threat behind you, how do you engage? And amazingly enough, if you haven't done it, it's more difficult than you think to get the sights lined up automatically. It takes very few reps to get used to drawing and engaging in a 360-degree envir- environment, but it's not a skill that you can manufacture on the fly in the middle of a life or death situation. And so the the best, safest, and easiest way to do it is with dry fire. Uh, another one that I really like is using the pistol as an impact weapon. So if you have a threat that's very close to you and your gun goes to slide lock, either because of a malfunction or because you need to uh, change magazines, you've got a couple of options. You can reduce the malfunction. Uh, at best, it's mag change, which is probably going to take two seconds, maybe more, uh, probably more. Or you can just immediately transition to using the pistol as an impact weapon. And, again, this is something that it's not a skill that you can manufacture in a life or death situation if it's not something that you practiced before. And this is a really easy Thing to practice uh, with dry fire at home, and the way that you can set it up is just set a shot timer to random, and you can get a free shot timer on your phone. Lock the slide to the rear on your pistol. Uh, press the trigger like you're shooting, and when the buzzer sounds, immediately transition to using the pistol as an impact weapon.
0: And that's something that you can do, like on a uh, like a heavy bag or on like a Bob training dummy also. I mean, you could do it in the air too, just to kind of get used to the movement. But um I think if you can have, if you can have something where you're standing in front of something that you can actually strike with the weapon uh, would be very, uh would be very helpful. I think just to kind of have some resistance there as well, and just kind of add a little bit more realism to it. But, but those are two really good examples of things that you can do that are simple that, People can do right now. Like you can do that. You can do that right now as you're as you're listening to this uh, as you're listening to this podcast. So uh, those are good. Those are good. Good stuff. Good stuff. Okay. So so now let's talk about the force on force factor in the firearms training. And and at ten percent of my training mix, it doesn't sound too difficult. But the reality is that a lot of people have no idea how to go about training for force on force realistically. So can you give me some some guidelines on how how can people engage in this type of training? What should they be looking for? Is it something that they need to go out there and find a tactical course that does force-on-force training, Um, which is great, but I've found them to be very rare? Or is it something that – is there something they can do maybe at home to kind of add realism, add more force-on-force to it, maybe using dry fire or something like that that would be effective as well?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um,
0: so it's – Kind
2: of important to define what, what you mean by force on force, because force on force can be a few different things. It can be a full blown scenario, but really way more effective than a full blown scenario are practicing micro skills with a non-compliant training partner, practicing the technique to Practicing on a a bag of some sort, to practicing with a compliant partner, to practicing with a gradually more and more resistant partner. And so, with force on force, uh, one of the things you can do is with uh, cert guns, with laser training pistols. You can do force on force training, where you're basically practicing your technique and seeing how it plays out against a real live moving opponent who's not predictable and there's there's a lot of value in that and it's a progression that people can do that doesn't require having all of the personal protective equipment and gear that's required for full-blown force on force
0: yeah so you know a certain training crystal, it, it it is an expense for people but when you think about it i mean god what's the cost of what's the cost of a lost life or having a, a uh, you know, one of your family members injured, or something like that. I mean, you can do a dry fire also, but what I, I do like the things that you can actually see where the round would hit. And and like you say, like just um, having a non-compliant person, you'd be surprised how little you would actually hit the target if they were actually even just moving around. So one thing I think that can go along with what you're saying is is just to have a person moving, whether it's They can move laterally and you can even stand in one place and just see how different it is to for them to be moving, like shooting at a moving target and then reversing that. I've seen this at the range when we've done this, where we will run people along, like we'll keep the the target stationary and we'll have people walk laterally along the targets, shooting each of the targets as they go. It's amazing how many rounds, even I'm talking about like even being like five feet away from the target. Don't even hit the target. Like you'll see bullet holes on the outside of the target just by walking laterally because people aren't used to shooting at an angle and things like that. So just adding that movement in there, it's not force on force where somebody's coming at you with like a training knife or th- or something like that, but just adding movement to it. I think people are, can be surprised at just how much it, it, did, it, it takes your, your skills that you think that you have, and it really tests them, which is all, which is all great, right? Like it's all it's, it's good to make the mistakes now. So I really like that, that kind of approach, and, and it makes it really simple. Yeah, it, it, again, what, it, one of the things that you're referring to with technique breaking down with just a little bit
2: of movement, um, that's stress. It's, it's cognitive load. It is loading a person up beyond their ability to execute the fundamentals. Uh in reality, most people can get a lot of benefit out of adding basic movement to fundamentals practice. And and then, yeah, of course, you want to you want to ramp that up to where you're going against a compliant partner and then a semi compliant partner and then completely non compliant partner. Hmm. But it's a it's a progression. And if you go too fast, you're not going to get any benefit out of it. It's just going to be a fun experience or frustrating experience. But if you want to train in a way that's going to actually help you in a life or death situation, you want to ramp it up slowly so that your technique doesn't completely implode with the, the stress that you're training under.
0: Yeah, really good point. Really good point. Because, I mean, just screwing it all up doesn't necessarily build the skills that you're trying to do. And taking it slow and, and figuring out each component and where where it's breaking down and then, Kind of keep re, you know, going, going over that area there where, it, where it is breaking down it helps you kind of bridge on over to actually having mastery of that skill. That's awesome. So, so Ox, let's bring it all together now. So the last thing, I mean, this is where people, most people want to end up is at the live fire range where you're, you're trying to get good training at the live fire range. And there is benefits to this. As much as we talk about dry fire training and things like that, there is benefit to going to the live fire range, feeling the bang go off in your hand. I mean, there, that is realism as well, even though you might not have, might not have, hopefully you don't have somebody live running at you as you're at the live fire range. But nonetheless, what sh- what can somebody do down at the live fire range to make it an effective training session? How does, it, how does this fit together with the rest of the training program agenda that you've been talking about here? Um, how do they go ahead and, and fine tune all of this for use down at the live fire range?
2: Yeah, that's a great, great point. The the majority of firearms training skills you can do dry or you can practice dry, including recoil management. And the reason for that is recoil management is determined by your grip on the gun. And if you continually practice the correct grip in dry fire and execute it in live fire, you're going to have the recoil management that you want. Uh, timing is another issue. You need live fire for that. But... The kind of the 10,000 foot view on this is what's the from a training perspective, what's the purpose of live fire? The purpose of live fire is to verify and validate the practice that you've done in dry fire. And so there's no one size fits all hundred round uh, training session. Uh, What I suggest is that when people go to the range and do live fire, if they're doing it for training, what they want to practice at the range is what they've been doing in dry fire. So you use it to benchmark and you use it to graph your, your performance or your gains over time. The flip side of this is shooting's fun and it doesn't need to be all work. It doesn't need to be all serious. Personally, what I do is I've got the gun that I carry on a daily basis. And whenever I shoot with it, I'm shooting seriously. I've got other guns that if I'm gonna go out and plink and have fun, uh, those are the guns I shoot. And so it's kind of the whole joke of this one's for fighting, this one's for fun. A um, little bit different application. But it's, it's kind of the same thing. In, in my mind, there's a, there's mediation between just going to the range and having fun with guns, which there's definitely a place for, and I don't want to ever discourage people from doing that. And then there's serious training, where you're uh, trying to improve your performance in a high-stress shooting situation. And does that, I didn't directly answer the question with the hundred rounds, but does that does that kind of answer the question?
0: Yeah, it totally does. I mean, it's really about customizing your experience and customizing your training, which I think is better than a one size fits all type of an approach. But if people are following this, this approach where they are um, doing dry fire training and making their mistakes at home at their, like, I, I call it the home tactical range, then once you, once you get those down in dry fire, because you, you should be working on those, verifying it at the range don't just assume that oh i've got it down with dry fire with my cert pistol or with my unloaded gun or whatever um just adding a bang in your hand and having recoil and things like that could be enough stress for that that to break down again so it's a great verification of going to the range for for a specific purpose but it really is customized it really matters what people are are screwing up at home or have been working on Um, and then and what I always tell people is like, go there with a plan. Don't just go there with a bucket of rounds and your firearm and say, okay, well, what am I going to do today? Um, this, I think that the more if people really do care about protecting themselves and their family, you should have a plan. I think this provides a really good skeleton. It provides a good structure. Um, your dry fire cards eliminate any of the the creativity needed by people to figure out what, what drills can they do at home that are fun, that will expose the problems that they have, that will uh, kind of get them uh, used to different things that they're not, that they can't get down to the live fire range, like you said, like twisting, turning, moving, things like that, adding stress to it. Um, but everybody should that's listening should sit down and really map out what your program is. Um, get get Ox's dry fire cards. Just get them. They're a must-have. They're not expensive. They're super cheap. And everybody that owns a gun needs to have them. So these are really fun ways to show what you should be working on. The live fire range is that step of verifying all of that. So, so I really appreciate all, this is really, really good stuff. Um, listen, everybody, you can go over to dryfiredrills.com and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. So you can get the cards there. Um, just, just get them and, uh, and check out other training that Ox has as well. I mean, he's, he's one of those writers out there that, puts so much thought and effort into what he writes about. And they're very realistic. Like I'm an avid reader of everything that he puts out as articles because they're, they're really based upon his experience and his working with other people from soldiers and law enforcement, everybody else. So um, he's just a real thinker when it comes to this stuff. And I can't, I can't say enough, not just because he's my friend, but because his, his products are really just top notch. So go start your journey over at www.dryfiredrills.com. And until our next Modern Combat Survival broadcast, this is Jeff Anderson saying prepare, train, and survive.
1: This has been Modern Combat and Survival. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can help us out by rating our podcast on iTunes and leaving a comment.